here's how we grew our margins from 14%, which I thought was like as good as we could do to 21%. And if you do the math, that's a 50% growth in margin. The amazing FBA mentor program has undergone a massive upgrade. We're now offering seven figure mentors from the 10K Collective Mastermind to mentor you one to one. Most seven figure sellers out there create their own courses or group coaching. You never get to work with them one to one. This is for one to one personal work. So if you're really serious about growing your brand, whether you're starting from scratch or scaling from a few tens of thousands a month, and you want to get to that seven figure mark, then this really could be a powerful way forward for you. Just go to amazingfba.com forward slash mentoring, read it through. And if you want to go ahead, just click on the button on the page to apply. Welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast. Today, we are going to be talking with Scott Needham about some really important topics for resellers. A lot of my listeners and a lot of the people in the masterminds that come to me to move into private labels start off reselling. But how do you make that game work? Well, Scott is an absolute master of that game as well as the private label game. The following interview is one of the most popular episodes we've had ever, and I didn't want you to miss it, so we're reposting this from about a year ago. I don't think anything has changed in essence. If anything, the lessons from Scott are even more important as times get tougher in some markets. So take notes and uh, do look up Scott Needham. He's a serious powerhouse in the industry. Enjoy this show. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven, eight figure Amazon private label and custom product sellers. Today, we're talking to Scott Needham, overachiever of uh, many things at Amazon, amongst which is um, creating, scaling, and now in the process of selling an 80 employee Amazon reseller business. Not a casual matter. So, Scott, welcome back to the show and thanks so much for coming. Thank you. Thanks. It's great to be here. So reselling businesses are famously hard to scale and they're famously hard to exit. So why did you decide to, to scale a reseller business in the first place? What, what was your thinking behind that? Yeah, the, the key part of scaling the business was actually just technology to do most of the decisions for us. So I started in 2013, joined a brother who already had, you know, uh, ambitious, um, had, you know, a few million dollars in sales. <laughs> but had a lot of problems about scaling. So I came in and built a lot of software to automate this process. And that really made growing from, you know, four or five employees to like 20 to 30 employees, not that challenging, you know? Um, so that probably was the key differentiator is building software tools for the different activities that we were doing, whether that's shipping, you know, order automation, and all that and it took years to do this wasn't you know an overnight success we had big decisions to to make and you know we've made pricing mistakes over like there's we we could talk forever about you know why i'd be like oh this is really not super easy but um the one thing about a reselling business is it's the fastest way to grow in revenue pretty quickly. You know, you could be launching next week. And if you are buying with the correct fundamentals, you're making money um, on, uh, you know, generally branded products. And I mean, that, that's, that's the business model many, many know, um, but it, it has different challenges that, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll uncover. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the main thing I would say is if you want to fo- um, scale fast, I had a very, the most extreme and kind of comic tragedy version of this that I experienced is somebody came to me for, for private level coaching, having, I think, lot gone from, so, you know, a couple of million dollars of, of personal net worth to under a million by trading on the foreign exchange markets in, in an uncontrolled way, which was kind of really kind of shocking, but kind of, um, I don't know, entrepreneurial thinking and risk-taking gone wrong but he basically by the end of the conversation said so what is really important he said no cash now i'm like totally get you cannot help you because private label is absolutely the opposite of that it's going to take you a year to get launched probably and then after that it's going to take money off you for a while um before it stabilizes assuming it works so uh, you know i I was absolutely straight up about i said look i I can put you in touch with some good retail arbitrage teachers that is what you need as far as i'm concerned or there are multiple other models that might hit it you know merch by amazon whatever it is so yeah you're absolutely right on that and i I bang the drum for that difference despite being a private level sort of specialist because i i try to turn people away who I don't think are in a place to, to you know, exploit private label and for whom reselling makes sense. The, the other question, though, is I guess um, were you scaling? Re- so, so getting started with selling, famously much more straightforward. Scaling, though, is tricky. Um, was it that you just happened to be in that business model already and that's why you scaled that? Or were there particular things yeah. that well, even at the scaling stage you thought reselling had uh, pros for you? Well, my brother um, started actually out of a family business, uh, which had, you know, a lot of like, you know, we had a lot of toy, it's kind of like a a department store, which had a lot of relationships with suppliers. So that's really what started is we took some of these suppliers that we were bringing into our storefront, um, brick and mortar, and started selling them online. And like, that was step one. And having success, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, growing in revenue, growing in inventory size for about two years um, before I even had joined. So I joined uh, something that are an operation that already, you know, had the, the fundamentals uh, down. And I was just there to make everyone's job a little bit easier by, you know, programming away like these spreadsheets so that things get done uh for you so that's like the beginnings is it kind of was a family business to to start out yeah and quite a few people start in that way as well there are two or three businesses in um, masterminds that are that kind of thing some which starting for sort of brick and mortar origins and, and some still have sort of connections in that world and some not so um couple of sort of um there are so many questions i could ask let me just throw a few sort of couple of juicy ones out there what are the best things that you did to scale the business what worked best in that situation um let's see best things uh turning processes that really did take 20 hours to to take five minutes you know uh making a purchase order that is intelligent that has the right amount of inventory and you're ensuring you're only buying on profitable products. Um, that was the biggest unlock, at least from you know uh, the manager's standpoint. But then you know even our distribution, they're all using our custom software, and uh, to actually just to assist them getting in products into Amazon. So um, I can actually comfortably say every employee that we have of all eighty. They spend most of their time using our software to help, you know, move our business along. Yeah. Uh, so 
those were the things that grew. There's there's one uh, feature that um, helped us scan catalogs really quickly. I know there's tools that do this out there. I'm actually trying to build this into Smart Scout right now. So um, maybe if you're listening to this a little bit delayed, like we already have it, but where you could scan, you know, say a thousand UPCs from a supplier and see, okay, which ones of these are opportunities? Well, we built that internally in 2013, like years ago. So we've been able to leverage these relationships uh, quickly. Be like, okay, you know, of your thousand products, here's the 20 that we want to buy on right now because we see a competitive opportunity. Yeah, and uh, it strikes me that at so much of Amazon selling or just business life in general, but certainly with physical products, because you have hard costs, you cannot be kind of slapdash about the idea that maybe this will work, maybe it won't, and you just chuck it out there. Because every time you chuck something into the wilderness, you put your money behind it, as opposed to with purely digital products, right? So, um, yeah, get get scanning for 20 to 2% literally of, of stuff. That's super hard to do manually. So anything that speeds that up. Um, and also, I've got to say, like the pedigree that you have as a software company for building something if you've had it internally since 2013 that that is like battle tested right and yeah. eight years later it's all is it even that yes eight years later that's that's like yeah. super tested right oh now there's some ways that like yeah we've we've been around the block but i still find one or two things i'm like oh i wish i would have done that like six years ago so it's not perfect but um it's it's been running smoothly for a while Okay, so that's the the upside now. Being being the cynical Brit or not cynical but skeptical, yes. Brit, like, and I, I've got to ask the questions of like what things have gone wrong or what things would you dif- do differently if you had to do them again. And I, I guess we're looking over quite a long time scale, so there might be quite a few things. But let's pick a couple of things that will be hopefully light bulb moments for the audience. Okay, um, there's yeah, there's a lot I do differently. <laughs> One. Um, this is a skill that I didn't have. I think I'm kind of building it right now, uh, as I'm building out, uh, my software business, smart scout, but one of the biggest weaknesses of buy boxer is we were not persuasive enough with brands, specifically the big brands. I would have invested more in our website to really convey like a degree of professionalism that, um, that would be needed to like convince a brand that sells, you know, 20 million a year to work with us. Um, because I, I do think our business development team, you know, building up these relationships, we did get some wins. Uh, we have, we have exclusives with, with several brands, but um, not enough. And not, not enough of the bigger ones, the ones that um, see like, because there's a few companies that, um, have done this successfully. And, you know, I'm sitting here jealous from the outside. I'm like, oh, we could have done that. We were before them. You know, a pattern here in the US, they're strictly uh, an Amazon uh, brand seller. They don't have private label or whatever, but like we were around before them, but they have these relationships that uh, have really helped them snowball and they just raised $200 million. So, you know, they are showing uh they're showing the the investors that they've got a good and i i I think we could have built them so there's one thing i would have done differently it'd be to be very professional and uh to win over these conversations i think a weakness that one of the reasons we didn't i think we complicated it too much i think we complicated the sales process with brands 
and all, just have a very clear message that like, you know, as a reseller, you, you want to be providing value to a brand and don't get too much into the details of Amazon. You're just going to confuse uh, them because Amazon can get really confusing really fast. For online sellers, nothing beats in-person learning and connecting. Join Ecom Events at one of their four events throughout the USA, Miami in January, San Diego in March, Minneapolis in July, and New York City in October. The conference offers tips and tools to increase sales, food and drink, and real connections to other sellers and experts. Head over to e-comevents.com and register today with promo code AMAZINGFBA to save $50 off your ticket cost. So that's one big mistake uh, that I would probably rethink a little bit differently. Um, the uh, shoot, how long do we have? I could talk about mistakes all day long. <laughs> maybe uh, that, that's really, by the way, some great learnings from that way. Maybe yeah. uh, one more. Um, so, and I'm not, not to distract. I, I actually do think people are still growing and succeeding in wholesale today in the, in the reselling. Um, the second one is just to be, um, we actually lost money in 2018. Um, we probably weren't operating on the margins that we thought we were. So our, you know, inventory count and, uh, our margins, um, just weren't quite there. But I'll give a very like be like okay here's a here's how we grew our margins from fourteen percent which I thought was like as good as we could do to twenty one percent and if you do the math that's a fifty percent growth in margin so reselling it usually does operate at a lower margin um, than say private label but um, the way that we grew it. Is it is actually just the way that we tweaked our repricer. So a lot of resellers use a repricer to win the buy box on Amazon. And um, what what really made the difference is, is most resellers, your product sells in the first 90 days uh, because you're buying on products that move quickly. But um, we found that like a repricer would sometimes just be too aggressive. And what we were able to do is... Um, when we just started with a product, say it just got restocked, um, we would actually not sell under like 17% gross margin. So we would send our repricer kind of a, we'd float our price up and sometimes we'd still get the sale because we're FBA, because we have a good track record. We would get the sale, even though there are people that are cheaper than us. So once we implemented that repricer to like to float our prices higher, it really grew our gross margins. If a product doesn't sell, we do gradually decrease that. But the first 30 days, yes, you should be trying to sell as high as you can. And then as a reseller, when products start to stock out, when you're like getting really, really low on supply, um, we automated pricing back up again. And this again, you know, grew our gross margins. So I think, um, you know, earlier on, if I would have invested a little bit more time, a little bit more thought into our, our repricer and be more creative in the ways to price up, you really push it, that'll do really well because we have a lot of costs. We have a lot of labor. We have, you know, um, so 
uh, yeah, do not uh, underthink a repricer. If you're using a repricer, you should figure out ways that you, sh- you can price up and still get enough sales. Yeah. And again, to the conversation we were having in the previous episode, um, you were you know, referencing the fact that you're putting prices up because your cost prices have gone up. But actually, even if your cost prices don't go up it, with your gross margin may maintain. But if you're growing a team, your overhead's getting bigger. So you need more gross margin just to support it. Right. So I presume that margins meaning like 14 percent going up to 21 percent was gross margin. So before overheads, yes. I'm guessing. Yeah. So obviously it works no. on quite different sort of margin type type, um, you know, just industry standards than to private label. And uh, yes, yeah, so that's that's even more critical because a 14 percent um of turnover as a overhead wouldn't be unusual so therefore it wouldn't be it would be not surprising that you might end up on a loss but that's a that's a massive increase in gross margin by the way that's a i think gross margin rather than revenue is like the number one indicator for health of a business isn't it and a lot of cpas say that to me and um that's that's a number that i take a lot more seriously than revenue uh, they say you know turnovers vanity profit sanity and, and like that's not just a saying i think that's uh, like a dog is for life not just for christmas um so you mentioned uh smart scout a couple of times we ought to just wrap up with you mentioning um you know what smart scout can do for yeah. resellers so, was about private label what about for resellers oh um i built it for resellers yeah i built i mean we were talking earlier on the previous episode about it has some use cases for private label um we're building more but like resellers are at its core what it's for because we take the tens of thousands of brands on amazon and just give it and just give all of that data in like a grid. You could search it all at once and you could filter out. So it'd be like, so um, the number one use case for Smart Scout is you, you go to the toy category, you have all the brands and toys, and we're showing you estimate revenue on every single toy brand. And then you can filter down to brands that really meet a criteria that you want. And it'll be very specific, the criteria. Um, we are tracking a brand's Amazon in stock rate. That is how often Amazon is on stock with a brand. So we can filter out because you don't want to resell against Amazon. It's just, you know, that's a great way to lose margin. Um, so we can filter out those brands and then we could actually filter out brands that are selling directly themselves. Again, you know, people, those are conversations that might just end up dead because, um, Say of the 10,000 uh, brands that are in the toy category, we help you find, you know, the, the 500 brands that are going to be most attractive to you as a reseller. Uh, you know, they, they've got good revenue. They're not super competitive and they're most likely going to say yes to you. And um, I mean, I get, I get people that reach out to me and say like, they're like, like, thank you, Smart Scout. You helped me close this brand. I would have never found them. So um, that is one of that, that's really why and how I built um, the tool. And our first features was was all about you know that there's a lot of room for arbitragers. You know, say you do want to go on a competitive brand like Lego. Well, we show Lego in, in great detail and show you the the you know, the products that are less competitive that are still doing revenue. And so, you know, we have a lot of arbitragers that, you know, find a product and like, you know, it only takes one product to like justify paying for a tool like this. Uh, So um, that is what I've been spending more of my time doing. 
um, it's kind of like what I got a, more of a passion for is building uh, tech. And so um, we're in the process of, you know, selling, uh, cashing out of our uh, uh, Amazon business and uh, focusing in on uh, Smart Scout. Um, shoot, there's 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 more features in Smart Scout, uh, but um, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, the easiest way to, to go and check that out was we'll put a redirect amazingfba.com forward slash smart scout. Um, I, I don't know if you guys can offer, we ought to offer the obligatory, um, you know, 10% off or whatever it is. Is there anything that you can offer? We didn't even discuss yeah, that before the show. Um, That's like how amateur I've been. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, smart podcast 15, that is a coupon code that'll get you 15% off. Uh, so um Amazing. That, that, that works specifically because we're on a podcast right now. So I can track you like, okay, how great are our podcasts? Yeah, so, fantastic. So if you get, yeah. just go to get yourself over to Smart Scout and, and put in Smart Podcast 15 coupon code. May as well uh, get, it's obviously a fantastic tool. May as well shave a little bit off our own costs and, and up those margins as well. Well, look, Scott, this has been a whistle-stop tour through some really big, <laughs> big picture stuff at, at a lightning speed. And thank you for playing along. You've been a, a good sport because obviously like asking people what are their favorite mistakes they've made over the last 10 years of their, their life's work. It's kind of a strange question, but also hopefully really um, educational for the listeners so um i know you've got a podcast as well if, if uh, people want to check you out there where do, we, where do they go for that yeah it's the humbly named smartest amazon seller podcast <laughs> yeah um, i remember coming across that frankly and saying yeah it's smartest amazon seller this is for somebody totally humble out there. Yeah, <laughs> it is an entertaining no, name it's, it, it's funny it's kind of just like a challenge i i do i did want to do a podcast that wasn't like hand-holding beginners you know wanted to talk to those and, you know, I think I generally start saying like the goal of the podcast is to turn you into the smartest Amazon seller. I, I, I talk with a lot of, and it's probably similar to, to what you've got, you know, to, yeah. I talk a lot about my software development and, you know, the data that I work with and, you know, how I think about Amazon, but um, I've come across some amazing uh, professionals that I ask questions to as well. Yeah, cool. I, yes, it sounds like we're after the same sort of people. I mean, Amazing FBA is a bit of a broader church, but we're mostly now focused with the 10K Collective podcast, which is most of the content now uh, yep. on exactly that. Like you're not handholding for beginners. Nothing wrong with that, but there's a lot of content out that, that does that already, right? So this is more, you're, you're definitely a man for the cutting edge, uh, which is a, a phrase that you love. And obviously getting back to your passion, I guess it sounds like it's always been what you brought to the table, really. It was internal when you did software development internally to your your the business that your brother brought you into and now you're doing it for other people but that seems extremely consistent to me so obviously decades you know well close to a decade of experience of that now and uh you know um some amazing lessons that you're going to be bringing in the form of baked in lessons baked into a software i always think that a SaaS is really a reflection of the, the founder's philosophy almost um so smart stuff well um amazing i'm gonna go and lie down and, and kind of take on board all the the amazing wisdom that I've got from you today uh, just remains for me to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing so much interesting thought um, wisdom in, in one go okay thank you the amazing FBA mentor program has undergone a massive upgrade we're now offering seven figure mentors from the 10k collective mastermind to mentor you one to one most seven figure sellers out there create their own courses or group coaching you never get to work with them one-to-one. -one. 
This is for one-to-one -one personal work. So if you're really serious about growing your brand, whether you're starting from scratch or scaling from a few tens of thousands a month, and you want to get to that seven-figure mark, then this really could be a powerful way forward for you. Just go to amazingfba.com forward slash mentoring, read it through, and if you want to go ahead, just click on the button on the page to apply. <laughs>